Hey guys, as a reminder, you can watch this video cast at WalterArms.com slash Walter Radio. Today, our guest is going to be Jim Dexter. We're going to talk about an introductory level uh, medical as far as the everyday carry person is concerned. It's going to be great, so stick around. Guns, gear, and training tips from the best instructors around the world. Walter Arms presents Walter Radio. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Chris with Walther Arms. Uh, today we have a great show for you. Jim Dexter is going to be our guest. Uh, first and foremost, this episode is brought to you by the Walther 30-Day Money Back Guarantee. You can buy just about any Walther pistol that you like. You can shoot it for up to 30 days, and if you decide you just don't like it, maybe it's not the right fit for you, uh, you wanted the F-Series, you should have got the full size or, or something like that, go ahead and get at us, and uh, we will send you a shipping label. We will get you a check for the full value up to MSRP as well as cover your tax. Also, this episode is going to be brought to you by the Walther uh, DDAM kit. It's the med kit. It was actually developed by our guest today. It's the Defense Division Ankle Medical Kit. So uh, go ahead and check both of those out on waltherarms.com as well as the 30-day money-back guarantee. We have details for that on there. Uh, as far as Walther news, uh, first and foremost, what's kind of nice is the P99 Final Edition uh, with this cool coin. I'll, I'll try and focus on that for you if you're watching. Uh, is shipping now. So the final edition that we announced at SHOT Show this year is shipping. It comes with a really cool case. comes with that awesome, it's like a big two-inch coin. It's not just like a little uh, a little uh, dinky one. It's a nice two-inch coin. Very, very cool. You can check that out as well on WalterArms.com or go to your local dealer. As I said, they are shipping now. Uh, after that, uh, uh, PDP Pro SD magazines. That's something that people have been asking about for quite a while. We announced the Pro SD at SHOT Show last year. And those uh, magazines are actually going to be start coming in here within the next several weeks. Uh, so be on the lookout for those. As far as promotions for the summer, we do have a new promotion coming down the pipe. I can't really tease it too much, but look for news on that probably within the next episode or two, uh, within the next coming weeks. I'm very excited about it. I actually think it's one of the coolest promotions I've seen in quite some time. So just uh, just kind of be on the lookout for that. That is it for Walther News. Okay, so getting to our guest today, he's actually a little bit hard to introduce because he's just done so many things. Uh, he's a volunteer firefighter. He's a uh, Iraq War veteran from the U.S. Army. He, ha he knows just about everything there is to know about, um, you know, medical uh, equipment, medical techniques, things like that. Uh, currently, he is a police sergeant. He's got 17 years of police experience, and uh, he is a uh, patrol sergeant and a SWAT commander on a multi-jurisdictional team. Uh, he is also currently the only Walther Defense Division member that I have personally witnessed threaten the mountain goat with physical violence. Jim Dexter, how are you today, sir? Good, Chris. All those things are indeed true. I'm sure I miss stuff. Like, like what else? What else can we learn about Jim Dexter I, here? I, I'm, you're I'm, a, you're a uh, air marshal. I forgot I, air marshal. You're a federal air marshal. I am a former air marshal. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, awesome. And uh, I spent a little bit of time once I left the volunteer fire service working uh, in emergency management in a volunteer uh, capacity. So a lot of those things uh, ran together. There was quite a bit of time while I was in college that I was a part-time police officer and a volunteer firefighter. Then when I started in full-time policing in Wisconsin, I was also continued my service as a volunteer firefighter. When I moved back to Illinois to go to the Air Marshal Service, I moved a little bit in, into emergency management so that I could still continue to volunteer and use uh, my, my skill set uh, that I have to help my community. So a lot of that stuff all kind of happened at the same time. So I look at that resume and I just turned 41 and some folks are like, well, how, how'd you do all that? And a lot of it was an overlap that, that 
really helped me in all the capacity of all the things that I did. And we also forgot you're a Red Dot Pistol instructor as well. Your Modern Samurai Project endorsed Red Dot Pistol instructor from our friend Scott Jedlinski. So very cool. I am, yeah. Very nice. Um, what are you doing these days? What are you doing as far as shooting right now? Are you shooting like crazy drills, shooting a lot of B8s? What are you up to? Uh, a lot of just kind of uh, more of your practical stuff. I, I, I haven't done as much you know, B8 stuff lately. It's mostly been A-zone things, moving, uh, entry type stuff. Uh, we just started SWAT school. Uh, the other day and so uh, tailored things more towards what we're going to be teaching the students i was just out with a, the south suburban team a little while ago just teaching some fundamental things and so just just the the basics of that nothing nothing really too crazy uh getting ready to start back up again with the red dot pistol course that i teach for the illinois law enforcement training standards board uh, which is designed kind of as an intro class that that uh shortcut to figuring things out mm -hmm. where you can go to an eight hour class and, and figure out some things from a guy who's had to figure out a couple of things uh, before and who has had some great mentors and some good friends to, to shortcut that learning process. So, so right now, pretty, pretty fundamental things um, or things that I consider to be fundamental that might not be fundamental to the average shooter or the police shooter who hasn't got a lot of individual attention an instruction and has just been thrown on the line with an entire department and never really coached and never really pushed to performance realm of, of red. Gotcha. Well, that's really cool. Um, well, before we get into some medical stuff, I did want to talk to you about your federal air marshal service. You had uh, one of my favorite stories really in the industry. You just kind of sprung it on me. I think we were driving around Colorado and uh, you were talking about your instructor that you had to, to pass the qualifications for. And I, I just thought that was a cool story if you wouldn't mind sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. My shooting coach, uh, was JJ Ricasa. It's a heck of a um, shooting coach. You know, I, yeah, I think, um, for me, that was the, that was kind of the, the first time that I really leveled up as a shooter. Um, where like I had always been at the top, um, in who I was around, mm -hmm. uh, right. It wasn't for any reason. I just, I was good at it. Uh, right? Like I, I can't fix a car. I can't fix mechanical things, but somehow I was a pretty good shooter. Uh, right. I was a pretty good pistol shooter. Um, definitely wasn't from the army army. They were like, get the bullet close. And so I was a, a pistol expert in the army. Anybody who is a pistol expert in the army knows that that doesn't really mean anything. It was the gun, not the marksmanship program. Okay, sure. How's that going? Um, you know, and, but I was just fortunate that, that, that I got a good initial block of instruction and was, and was pretty good. Um, they were kind of lower level drills though, because they were like the full police department, you know, let's get everybody to pass this. And I, I did well. And then, and then I, and then I leveled up into the federal air marshal service and, and not only like leveled up because it wasn't even like it was one level up. Like it was like I stepped into a different <laughs> universe of, of shooting. And, and that was when I really saw like what the capabilities and things were of, of shooting and, and, really diving into the finite minutia of fundamentals and knowing why you're doing things and how you're doing things um, to, to get, to get better. Mm -hmm. um, and I did very, very, very quickly. I mean, as, as anybody who has taken a JJ class knows he's a phenomenal shooter and he's a phenomenal instructor. Yeah. What a, what a helping hand to be given. There's hey, you, we, Hey, we have to pass these standards, by the way, here's JJ Ricasa world champion. Crazy. Yeah, right? I thought that was and cool. It, and it wasn't, and it wasn't, and it wasn't like he's teaching the whole class. It was like there was like three of us assigned to JJ. Wow. 
Like, and then three guys had like the next guy who was leaving that week for a top shot. And so <laughs> like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, all right, I'm going to demo this drill and then you're all going to shoot it. It was like, Hey, let's see why you did that, how you did that. And it was one of the first times too, that I got like really like personal mm-hmm. instruction that I then started to take as my style as an instructor in, in, in everything. Right? Cause I watched in one day how he was able to do stuff with all of us and improve things and just one little tip, one little thing. Um, and it, it, it really started to set my course uh, for my instructional style. That's very cool. Yeah. That's one of my favorite stories. Um, so let's get into medical cause that's, that's kind of why you're here, right? Um, what we always try to keep in mind with these episodes is, uh, like the new guy, the person who maybe just went and bought a firearm. They're starting to kind of breach into the world of, you know, uh, tactical guy kind of stuff, you know, um, pistol shooting, enthusiast level pistol shooting and part of enthusiast level pistol shooting as an everyday carry person oftentimes very quickly they they come across the need to learn some kind of medical skills um what are the skills from a bird's eye view that a person should initially start looking towards in their in their journey i guess yeah i I think the i think the the first thing they have to look or look to is um actually possessing the skills right like like we we made a you made a jump already that some people don't make Right, they go out and they buy an IFAC, or they buy a tourniquet, and then they're ready. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bro, do you know how to use any of that? Like, the tourniquet is still in the wrapper, and it's not in the wrapper because you're protecting it from UV exposure. It's in the wrapper because you just bought it and and, and put it in a bag. Mm-hmm. All right, there's a difference between possessing the equipment and possessing the knowledge on on when and how and when and how to use it. So I think the first step is is necessary is the first step is understanding that you need to get the skill set that you need to understand how and when to use those things. Um, the biggest thing is stop the bleed, um, the stop the bleed initiative, everything involved in stopping the bleed, knowing how to wound pack, knowing how to tourniquet, knowing how and when um, to to bandage. Uh, it's a it's a universal skill that is applied. Uh, everywhere, all the time, anytime, for any reason. Uh, I talk all the time in my classes that, that the body doesn't care what caused it to start bleeding. Like, like, my, my, like my left brachial artery isn't like, oh, bro, we were shot. We're going to bleed a lot. I need a tourniquet. Or I was changing out a window because it's springtime and I was going to clean it and I put my arm through it and the glass cut my artery open. It does, your body doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to, it's going to have the exact same reaction. So the skill set is universal. Um, and, and while, while programs like stop the bleed were, were born out of violence. Um, the Hartford consensus, uh, was convened as a result of the Sandy Hook shooting to look at what we can do to, um, improve the outcomes of mass violence. But at the end of the day, the, the techniques that, that came out of that and the programs that came out of that, um, I, I'm, I don't have the data, but I'm certain have saved more lives from nonviolent incidents than they have violent mm. incidents. Um, right now, there's probably somebody suffering a heavy bleed in the United States of America. Uh, and it has, may have nothing to do with violence at all. Somebody just got in a car crash right now. Statistics show that somebody just got in a car crash right now. And it may have been head on and they may have a severe bleed in their lower extremity because their ankle was crushed and everything is bleeding. Um, so, 
So does it matter that it wasn't an active shooter? Does it matter that you learn how to use a tourniquet and have a tourniquet because you're afraid of workplace violence? No, what matters is that you can recognize this is a massive bleed and have the, the skills and equipment in order to address it immediately. Um, you know, one of the, 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 the whole point of like these tactical emergency casualty care systems is um, to uh, deal with preventable loss of life at or near the point of wounding. Right? preventable loss of life at or near the point of wounding. That doesn't mean geographically. That means the people that are there. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like whoever is around you is going to become the first responder if they're trained, if they're equipped, and if they're willing. Anybody who follows me has heard those three things before. Uh, those are the three things that, that people need need to do and need to have. And, and you know, at its at its core how to deal with massive bleeding is, is the number one thing. It's the thing that's going to uh, kill you the fastest um, outside of sudden death, obviously, but then you're already dead. Uh, it's not your problem anymore. Prevent, we, exactly. We can't prevent death that has already occurred. Um, you know, followed by just general airway or breathing issues um, and understanding how to address how to address those at the basic level of things like the recovery position, um, how to open an airway in order to get somebody to um, uh, start spontaneously breathing, uh, again, um, I think when you get like, that's the basic, mm -hmm. right? Base, base level right there. Those, those things, um, CPR, right? No CPR that, that sometimes gets lost. I think when we talk about like the tactical side of, you know, tactical medicine, when we, when we sexify it, mm -hmm. um, by throwing the word tactical on there, but that's a base skill that everybody should have, uh, that we shouldn't be ignoring that we, that should be going hand in hand with stop with stop the bleed programs you should be doing them at the same time go to a cpr course that that has a stop the bleed um or take a cpr course and go to a, a tactical emergency casualty care course um tecc changed their guideline they used to call it the civilian first care provider yeah first first care provider now they call it the active bystander that's what their, their guideline actually is at the lowest level and i i i like I, I words mean things um, to me. I, I'm very careful with my word choice um, when I'm when I'm talking in podcasts, when I'm talking to students, when I'm talking to my team. Um, an active bystander, you know, I, I think is a perfect way to put that. You're, you're a bystander who can do something. You can become active in the problem uh, and and have a say in the result of possibly saving somebody's life. Um, so you stop the bleed. CPR, AED skills, right? CPR and AED go go hand in hand. Um, those are two things that in the public realm, um, in, in public space, you're going to find uh, in order to do. AEDs are all over the place, and we're starting to see public access bleeding control kits co-located with your AEDs. Um, so, so just public awareness of those things, right? You, you, get, in, you get those skills, uh, you get the equipment, being, just being situationally aware of, of what is around you as far as things that you can use in the airports, Right, seeing that lightning bolt up on on the wall, knowing that there's an AED there, there's probably now a teardrop or a, what is a blood drop sign next to it, which means that there's a public access bleeding control kit there, which means that there's equipment uh, for you for you to use. Going a little bit further outside of that, um, dealing with respiratory issues or, or respiration issues uh, in the use of chest seals, mm. um, a, a little bit more advanced, but but. Still in the active bystander realm and guideline within the TECC guidelines, uh, when when we look at data um, on 
mass violence. Um, the biggest, the biggest data subset that comes um, is uh, from the Vegas shooting, mm-hmm. the, the the Harvest Festival shooting. Um, the coroner report broke down um, every single injury that was suffered, um, and whether they were uh, catastrophic injuries or, or not. And we saw that there was um, an astronomical amount of uh, upper body, upper thoracic chest uh, injuries. Um, I mean, it, it, it makes sense in the sense that our, our upper thoracic area, the area that our lungs in, lungs are in 360 degrees, is a large space, uh, right? It takes up a good majority of our body. When we think about violence and, and, and shootings, um, it's an area that, that, people, that people aim, uh, right? And so it's, a, it's an area of a skill set that should be addressed and prepped uh, in order to deal with, understanding that, that there's a high probability for it because there's a high percentage of our body that is the upper thoracic cavity. Um, an article came out, um, uh, I don't exactly, I don't remember who it was by, or, or, but it was shortly after that data came out and um, they, they looked at how many chest injuries there were. And, and it was kind of like this thing where it was like, well, do we need to worry so much about massive bleeding when there's all these chest injuries? Well, yeah, um, I, I, we're not... We're not throwing one out just because right. the other, you know, is more prevalent. Like both, both. Why not both? Uh, right. I think. I think rather than, than than pushing one aside and saying, "Well, stop the bleed's not important." Now we need to do um, stop the tension pneumothorax, um, which is what happens if you get a hole in your chest mm-hmm. and enough air comes in. It's a tension pneumothorax that that uh, is a paramedic level thing in in most places. That's a severe medical emergency versus just utilizing a chest seal or some sort of occlusive dressing to cover that up and, and attempt to stop the onset of attention pneumothorax. It's, hey, well, why, not we, why don't we worry about both? Uh, because it doesn't take very much. It's a low-level skill set. Um, I, I, can, I can solve um, the, the idea of, of patching up or, or putting an occlusive dressing uh, over where the lung would be uh, by a chest seal or uh, by my bag of Lays or my Fritos that I just finished up. <laughs> Um, right. All, all I need, all I need is the understanding of, of what I need to do and how it's going to affect the outcome uh, of that, of that person. Um, so, you know, stop the bleed, uh, air dealing with airway and then the respiration concept of, of, um, uh, chest seals or occlusive dressings. Um, the, like the last and final thing I would say, um, at like kind of the most extreme level that gets kind of more into like a little bit larger kits and not necessarily on your person um, is just the understanding of hypothermia and how hypothermia affects the body along with, along with traumatic injuries. Okay. Um, you know, a, 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 a massive bleed um, has an effect on your body's ability to regulate its body temperature. Um, and, and it, it's a super base level thing that, that if we apply one of these skills, we just keep the person warm. Okay. Right. Like that's it. Cause then if we keep them warm, they, they don't go hypothermic. We keep their body temperature up, um, and we just prevent a lot of problems. Um, in, in one of the slides that I use in my in my one of my medical classes, um, they, they, I use some some case fatality rates from the military, and, and one of them um, is um, uh, uh, died of infections or died of of shock, and it's a percentage. And there's, an, I put an asterisk after the ones that, that we can save, right, or that we can do something about. So like massive bleed has an asterisk. We can help these people. Um, and in, uh, the study had that. And then I added one after a shock 
uh, because we can we can help some of those people by preventing those people from from going hypothermic and going into shock by knowing how to treat or I'm sorry by knowing how to prevent the onset of, of shock and recognizing it. Uh, shock's a medical emergency, but we can do things such as keep the person warm, uh, elevate elevate their feet um, to ensure blood flow to the proper areas. Those things that are that are super simple. Uh, that are preventative measures in these traumatic incidents um, have have uh, a, a saying in the outcome on people's survival rates. Awesome. Uh, just out of curiosity, people that might not know, um, a lot of people seem to take a little bit of an issue, especially new people, that training, pistol training, rifle training, that stuff has a, a large cost. You've got travel, you've got ammunition, you've got that type of stuff. Um, obviously, with a medical-based class, there's probably not going to be nearly as much travel because of like CPR classes, for example, are in like in every, every city. Um, what can you kind of attribute some cost levels to these just to give the listeners some idea as far as what they could expect to pay to at least get the first two or three levels of what you're talking about? Yeah. The, the basic stop the bleed program, if you get just straight up, stop the bleed is free. Wow. Okay. Um, there, there are, there are a lot of places you can, you can just go to stop the bleed on the internet. Um, um, I think it's bleedingcontrol.org. Um, I'm pretty sure they may have changed the website, but you can just Google Stop the Bleed um, and, and type in your, your zip code or your area and see when and if there is a, is a class. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there's a, a nominal fee um, involved depending on the facility, something like that, or there's a fee that you walk away with, a tourniquet um, also. Um, you know, you can go anywhere from that to um, you know, I would check with your local fire departments. Um, they're constantly putting on CPR and AED okay. classes. Uh, I would check with your local police departments uh, also. Um, on, on my police department, uh, we put on uh, Stop the Weed um, uh, courses and, and, and classes occasionally for the for the community uh, at at no at no cost. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. You know, whenever I teach Stop the Weed. People are like, oh, well, you're a cop, not a paramedic. I'm like, yeah, this is a baseline skill that we need to have because I'm always right there, um, and I need to be able to save myself sure. if 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 necessary. Um, so so that's something to look at. Um, look at all your public services. Send them an email. Ask them, hey, do you guys put on CPR classes? Do you put on uh, stop the bleed courses? And then from there, it goes all the way, you know, up to a full TECC class. Um, I have a four hour class um, that I that I do that that packs. You know, a little bit more information in there, a four-hour format. Um, it's pretty easy. It's a Saturday morning or a Saturday afternoon. You know, you don't lose you don't lose your whole weekend, right? You can still go shoot the match on Sunday or shoot the match on Saturday and just take four hours on Sunday um, to go all the way up to uh, eight-hour full classes to two-day full immersion classes. Um, you know, uh, guys like Kerry Davis, uh, Dark Angel, um, you know, full two-day classes. And then you've got classes that – that incorporate live fire in them, uh, in them as well, right? So you get your get your pistol work and your medical. Um, so you get you get some of the sexy and the unsexy. You know, I, I always joke that you know medical is not sexy um, un, until uh, you don't bleed out because um, yeah. you know knew what to do, right? Uh, there's I don't think there's anything less sexy than bleeding to death uh, when you didn't have to. Um, but hey, cool. Cool bill drill uh, on the on the on the, on the, on the Instagram, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On, the, on the on the IG, but no, that, but you but you bled out when you didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's that's really fantastic because yeah, it sounds like you can really get a pretty decent understanding or some level of training for free, um, just right from you, you your own services. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really accessible. You know, part of that is um, 
part of it, you, you get what you pay for sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stop the bleed, you know, you can get, you know, the, the local lifeguard who's teaching the, but you're still getting the material, right? You're still getting the, the hands-on. Um, but also you have some stop the bleed instructors who, who do it and will do free classes because, um, they just believe in, in the public access, uh, to the, to the information. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I wasn't even aware that it was that available. I think I've come to you for, for all my medical training, mm-hmm. but that's awesome. Um, Talking about then uh, your product that you you developed really with Walther was the uh, the DDAM the uh, Defense Division Ankle Medical Kit. Can you walk us through what's in that? Yeah, you know when when I when I came on the team, it, you know um, it was like, hey, we're starting this thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I want you to be a part of it, and, and you know I heard who my cohorts were going to be, and, and I was kind of like, well, man, I'm like what what a, what am I like doing here? Like, what do I mm-hmm. bring that that these guys don't? And you know, and it was, hey, we want. We want your medical background also, right? We want what you bring, you know, to the civilian medical community and the police medical community. Um, and, and we want you to d- just do things with it. And I was like, okay, right? So I tell, tell my wife, I'm like, ah, here's what they're doing. I'm like, we'll, we'll see, right? And so, um, you know, I'm like, right away, I'm like, hey, man, like, I want to do, I want to put together a med kit. And Cody's like, all right, cool, man. I'm like, all right, man, yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That's, that's cool. And I'm like, that sounds okay. about all right to me, man. So right, a good that's idea, dude. Right, man, that's all a good idea, man. Oh, all right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, so I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, I don't really like hear anything, right? And then I'm like, ah, well, that's kind of what I figured, right? And then I talked to him again. And he's like, oh, man, so what do you want to do with this? I'm like, oh, I got some ideas. I got contacts and stuff. All right, man, let's see what you can get. Let's see what you can do. So in like two days, like I get it all lined up. I call, call people who I knew I was going to call, but I'll mention in a minute here. And uh, he's like, all right, man, cool. I'm like, all right. So I tell my wife, I'm like, man, I... They ask, this is kind of dead, I think. So like, he checks in. He's like, how's this going? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, man, like, get at it. I was like, oh, like, he's like, yeah, do what you need to do, man. Like, you do your thing. And I was like, oh, this is like, like, legit, like, real. Like, I should be full blown ahead of this. He's like, yeah, man, we want to do this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> okay, let's do this. So I told my wife, I said, yeah, they really are all in. Like, this is my project. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just get it done, which was, which was really cool. Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of companies, um, you know, will 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 give lip service about some things, but to but to really, you know, put things down on on paper and product and attach name to, names to things. And so, you know, immediately for for years, I had been using ankle first aid kit uh, wrap made by uh, uh, Riker Nylon Gear, and so I knew immediately that that was the base that I wanted to use for it. Okay. Um, uh, to me, there 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 is nothing that that rivals it um, out there as far as as far as it's as far as its capabilities. And so I immediately reached out to Riker Nylon Gear. I was like, hey man, look like this, this is this is what's coming here. Here's what I want to do. What can you what can you do with me? Are you interested? And, and right away, the relationship that I had with them, um, he's like, yeah, man, we're, we're we're in, we're in for sure. I said, all right, cool, man. Um, then reached out to Tactical Medical Solutions that I had a, a, a pretty good relationship uh, with as well uh, and said, hey, you know, I, I want you guys to be the the providers of the gear for this mm-hmm. um and they were like yep we're in and um so the the gear real quick we'll talk about the gear because the the, the gear to me is the the lesser important part of what we did mm-hmm. uh, in the partnership with TechMed solutions so it comes with the uh, soft tea tourniquet uh it comes uh with um a um compact gloss uh, hemostatic gauze. It comes with 
um, a, a micro bandage. It comes with um, a set of shears and it comes with a mini chest seal. Um, so it has all the things that I just got done talking about you needed to know how to do in one package. Um, okay. To me, that was what set the AFAC, the actual holder, apart from all the other options um, is that the back sleeve holds the chest seals. And so it's you literally have one thing on your person with a pair of gloves in there, and you have everything that you just got done training in a TECC class. Um, it's not, I got to put a chest seal in my pocket or I got to put this somewhere mm -hmm. else. It's literally in one spot that you can have on your ankle, you can have in your dump pouch, you can have in, in the, the center console, uh, you know, of your, of your truck. Um, the, the portability of it um, is, is kind of uh, unmatched. And so it's extremely versatile. It can be, it can be anywhere that you are, anywhere that you need to be. Um, I wear it while I'm flying. Um, we purposely, um, at, at home, I normally use a Benchmade hook because um, I like to use a hook a little bit better than, than shears. Uh, but it was important that we included shears and not the hook uh, because first off, that's my personal preference and I wanted this to be a universal kit. Secondly, mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to go anywhere and everywhere. Um, and you can fly with the, you can fly with the, the dam. You, it, it will clear TSA. I, I, I wear it all the time. Um, I, I, I never don't fly with it. Um, okay. because now, uh, being a, a lowly municipal policeman again, um, I, I can't fly with a gun, um, anymore. Um, and so I, I definitely have, have medical on me even before I did, um, when I could carry a gun on a plane, um, I had medical on me, but now that's one of those things where I'm going into an environment where, where my level of protection, um, has already been minimized. And so I need to up my level of ability to respond to somebody else, not doing their job. To the level that I would do it myself, um, so that was important that everything be um, able to travel uh, anywhere. So let me get into the part that that really that really kind of matters and, and mattered to me. Um, you know, it was important that that when I did this project, um, that that I have a long history of saying that it's about the training. Um, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not it's not about um, the 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 gear uh, it's about the gear to a point it has to work it has to be effective uh, but but the gear without the training doesn't doesn't do any good um, like I we'll go right back to the beginning when we started talking about medical a lot of folks just get the gear and they don't acquire the skills they think that mm -hmm. getting the gear gives them the skills um, I I used to actually uh, my relationship with Cody started uh, with me making fun of him uh, for not knowing how to use his tourniquet that was on his belt. And I told him that it wasn't a tourniquet. It was a fashion accessory because um, <laughs> you don't know how to use it. Right? If, if you don't, yeah. if you don't know how to use it, it's, it's your, it's, it's just that it's an accessory. It's a, it's a trinket on your gear. And so until you know how to apply it, um, you don't have a tourniquet. Uh, you have a tourniquet mm. in the noun of the fact that you have a tourniquet, but you can't tourniquet in the action of a verb. Um, with it. Yeah. And so when I was doing this, I was like, man, like, I don't want to look like a hypocrite um, on this, right? Like the, the defense division echo medical kit to made to the specifications of Jim Dexter of tactically sound. Well, cool, man, this dude for years has been, you know, running his mouth about training, training, training. And now he's out here just shilling stuff with the just Walter Lugo on it, right? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's got that, that cool gray and the, the, the blue custom straps with the with the Walter logo all embroidered on it in a white thing. It looks nice, man. It looks, it looks it really look cool. I was, like, it came out well. It came out really, really good and, and, and really, really cool. 
Um, and I'm like, yeah, that looks cool, but I, I still got to be me, right? And I, and I still have sure. to do the thing to me that is most important. One of the things about Tacna Medical Solutions um, is their TACMED University. Uh, and TACMED University's outreach as far as training videos and accessibility to uh, people to um, at least get some level of exposure to a skill set. Um, and so uh, I spoke with the director of training of TACMED Solutions and I said, hey, look, um, Walter wants to, this one, we want this to be a partnership. Um, this isn't just, hey, we're, we're going to just slap your product on here. Like, like we want this to be a, a real thing. And right away they were like, man, this, we, we haven't seen this before. Like, yeah, we're, we're in on this um, and we can incorporate the TACMED University um, in, into this. And so mm-hmm. uh, the super unique thing that, that the end user gets with the Defense Division Ankle Medical Kit is the QR code that brings them into uh, the TACMED Solutions, TACMED University, uh, Walter uh, training area that takes them through an immersive experience on every single piece of equipment that is in the kit. Uh, and so, and so you, you, you get the equipment um, and you get an introduction to the application of the equipment um, through uh, what is a, a super cool immersive learning experience. Um, yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll give a preview to folks like this isn't just some slideshow PowerPoint click through um, on the tourniquet portion of it. You drag the tourniquet over to the limb and then you click on the windlass to watch it spin in mm-hmm. order to apply pressure to the tourniquet on the limb. And so, you know, it, it, it's 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 more than even just a product video. It's an interactive experience um, that that allows people to open it up, go through it, even if it's just a refresher. And <laughs> your clock, <laughs> uh, and and it allows them to to go through uh, each one of those things, even if they've never used them before, and get a general understanding of of how to of how to use it. So it's not a fashion accessory mm-hmm. anymore. You open it up, you're like, oh man, this thing's gorgeous. I, uh, I yeah. there's a video um, on on the Walter site that shows how I pack it up. Um, so you can you can see how how, how I pack it up in, in the way that has worked uh, best for me, and then go through the TACMED University site uh, and and learn how to use all this stuff. So at the moment that you walk out the front door, if something happens in your driveway, you have the ability, you have a baseline level of knowledge by going through the TACMED University program to apply uh, the skills that you have along with the equipment that you now have on you. Which is, I mean, it it, it sets it apart from from everything else. Uh, that that is out there. Um, the other part, we're super proud of it, and we're we're happy to support you on it. So we're really really happy to work. And the other part of it is that, the D Dam project. The other part of it is that is that it's accessible and affordable. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we, we and that was an important thing to me was that I was like, hey, look, like I don't like this thing can't be. And right away it was like, nope, we just want people to be ready. Right? It was attached mm-hmm. to the Be Ready campaign, um, and I was like, look, man, like we're not we're not doing this as a as a money maker. And I was like, okay. And they're like, no, like, like really? And I was like, you guys are a real company, right? And then I was like checking to like, I'm like, Mike, you're really getting paid? Like, I'm like, okay, no, I mean, this is, they've been around for over a hundred years. So I guess this is a real company. And, and uh, so, okay, this is, this is legit. Um, you know, and, and so again, a, a first of its kind sort of thing um, that, that really was based around the end user and, and nothing else. Um, like, mm-hmm. you know what, you don't have to show proof of, of a Walter gun in order to get this it's not some elite club thing like quick man like you carry a glock cool man throw a walter damn on your ankle right and go go right. say some lies 
right? I shoot a bad guy, right. save a good guy. Uh, right? I, I, whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about it's about truly being ready. Um, and 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 that that campaign was was real. What are um, what are some instances between your military career and uh, obviously now your career as a, a big, awesome police officer, SWAT commander guy? Uh, have you ever seen any instances of medical equipment similar to what's even included in the DDAM being used incorrectly and uh, what the effects of that were? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the, the biggest thing is that people aren't aggressive enough um, when when applying these measures. Um, and when I say aggressive enough, uh, first off, um, with, with recognizing that the, the, uh, intervention is necessary, um, to do like just that hesitation of like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't, I don't know. Like, look, man, like you, you notice all, all the things that I said, all the skills that I said that people should have there, there first off, there weren't that many. Right? Secondly, none of them are complicated. Mm-hmm. Right, like, like they're all civilian, civilian level skills, uh, and so identifying them and applying them immediately, like not messing around. Uh, like, if it needs a tourniquet, you got a tourniquet. Put a tourniquet on, right? If you think mm-hmm. it needs it, right, for an articulable reason, put it on and put it on right now, right, at or near the point of wounding. A, a clock has started. Uh, if that wound is bad enough on whether that person is going to survive or not, and, and we need to hit the pause button. Right, until mm-hmm. they until they can get to to the hospital to sew everything back up and put everything back where it needs to be, we got to hit that pause button. We got to hit that pause button right now, absolutely right now. The other thing is is the application of the tourniquet itself, um, and and not just getting at it and putting that thing on as tight as possible. Um, studies have shown that the the uh, the reason or the, the number one reason why the application of a tourniquet was not successful was the initial cinch down of the tourniquet wasn't tight enough. Um, and I, okay. I, I see that, um, I see that in applications in the, uh, in the, in the world, right. It just in, in policing places that I've been, uh, places that I've been, uh, and, and gotten to second or gotten to after things have been done. Um, there's a, there's a tourniquet on and I, and I go back to something I said before, there's a tourniquet on, in the noun sense of yes, that is a North American rescue cat tourniquet on that leg. But the verb, the action of tourniqueting is, is not being conducted um, here. So, so, okay. so th- this intervention has been placed in appearance only and not in effectiveness. So if you're going to place that tourniquet on, cinch that thing down and get it down because it needs pressure. Pressure is the pressure is the the key to stopping bleeding. Whether it's the pressure from circumferential pressure of a tourniquet um, stopping blood flow, or the pressure of just driving your knee and your weight down onto the wound to stop the bleeding, um, that's that's the biggest reason why nobody should ever die from massive bleeding. Because even if we don't have a tourniquet on us, even if we don't know how to wound pack, um, you know we have the ability to press something onto that wound and apply hard direct pressure to affect the flow of, of that blood. Is there any truth to the adage of if, uh, what is it? If they're not screaming, it's not tight enough on the yeah, so, tourniquet. So maybe possibly not to that level. Um, but, but tourniquet applications hurt. Um, I mean, we're, we're constricting limb we're constricting muscle tissue and, and, you know, nerves and veins and arteries and things in order to stop the flow of blood. Um, so there, there is mm-hmm. some, some pain, um, involved in that. I, I think, I think the the I think I, the way that I the way that I 
give that out is that um, tourniquets hurt. And so don't be surprised if somebody, um, you know, it, it winces in pain or, you know, says, oh, oh that hurts, that hurts. Um, you know, that, you're not doing anything wrong. That means that you're doing something mm -hmm. right. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say, you know, expect that um, because mm -hmm. everybody reacts a little bit differently. Um, I would just caution people that, it, that if somebody's claiming that it hurts, okay, that's, that's, that's going to happen. Um, you know, there's also, cause there's various other things involved. I mean, I put a tourniquet on somebody who was extremely intoxicated. Um, and, and it was like, I didn't even do it. They just continued to MF the guy who, who he claimed <laughs> did it. No, he was blaming some other guy and then he started to blame oh, me. Okay. So I joined him in blaming the other guy so that I could get the tourniquet, <laughs> so I could get the tourniquet, um, <laughs> on, on him. And so it worked, it worked pretty well. And then it did end up being the other guy's fault. We find out uh, much later. Oh. So. I didn't. I mean, I didn't lose any sleep over it to begin with. But later, I was like, "I'm sure. glad. I, I'm glad I joined in because that guy, that guy deserved that." So people just need to be aware that, that that we're constricting a limb in order to to stop or reduce blood flow, and so there is going to be some pain involved in that. What of the person who says, uh, "I don't need to buy a tourniquet because I'm wearing a belt, and I'll just use my belt as a tourniquet"? Yeah, um, I did a YouTube video um, on that uh, years ago because mm -hmm. I. I just kind of like got tired of people saying it. Um, <laughs> like, like the like the people. I don't. Know, I just don't understand why people say it. To be honest with you, like a belt to keep my pants up and a tourniquet to stop me from bleeding to death. Um, How unrealistic of a thought is it that you could use a belt as a tourniquet? Look, so it's not. It's not completely unrealistic, right? Like it. Mm -hmm. It could kind of work to do something direct pressure is still a better answer um right because okay. direct pressure is directly on the wound and it is doing something the 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 drunk guy that i'm the that i was talking about earlier um the the security guard um involved in who was trying to help him had actually used a belt um because that i i don't know i don't know if i don't know if he was a a belt is all i need guy or he just didn't know all right he was doing the best mm -hmm. that he could at that time um it, but it was still bleeding. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, massively bleeding anymore. He had slowed the bleed. Uh, but then I showed up with the tourniquet and stopped the bleed. Right. And that's our goal is that, is okay. that, is that we want to stop the bleed. So will it do something? Yeah, it, it probably, it probably will. Um, but do I want to plan on that? Right? Like if you're already planning yeah. on it, then just do the right thing for the right reason at the right time with the right stuff. Um, what gets me is guys like who carry guns who then say that I'm like, bro, like how much did your blaster cost? Like, right. and like you got a spare mag on you. Like you're statistically less likely to use that spare mag than you would a tourniquet and your spare mag probably cost more than what a tourniquet costs. Right. That's even interesting. Like T-Rex arms, I think now has, uh, like a hinged holster mm -hmm. set up and you can either use a spare mag or a secondary mag, or they even have yeah. a tourniquet holster yep. built into yep. that. I thought that was very I cool. I think one idea. of the things too, is that, is that the availability of, ex of, of accessories and ways to carry med gear, um, it, it just kind of negates any reason to, you know, ha have to, to count on a belt. Um, now, now I'm not mm -hmm. one of those people like I, I don't. I'm not one of those extremists that's like, I don't leave the house without a tourniquet, bro. I do, okay. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I, sometimes I, I go down to Seven Eleven uh, down the down the corner, 
uh, right? I, I don't go to seven without a gun. Um, but I may be in gym shorts, right? I may be in gym shorts and throw an enigma on and, and I can't have a tourniquet on me. Okay, I possess the knowledge mm-hmm. to use a lot of different things in, and it's cross street from the police station. So I'm not overly concerned. I'm just going to be like, hey guys, give me one of your tourniquets. Um, but I know how to apply direct pressure. I know how to use other things you know, with that. Um, sure. But I always have an ankle kit in my truck, in my center console. Um, so if I'm going running out to do something, um, I can throw it on. If I got to make a stop somewhere on the way, I can throw it on on my ankle mm-hmm. um right i scale things for the for the summer um we got a zoo pass we go to brickfield zoo all the time i just got another uh zoo pass for for my birthday um you know when i go there in shorts congratulations thank, thank you thank you zoos are fun um oh on my birthday or the zoo yeah. pass yeah zoo zoo pass. Pass. i, I love the zoo man i said we, we went and my, my nephews couldn't come um because they had baseball and i was like that's fine this is for me anyways i said they just want to go do dumb stuff i'm like looking at so like we're going to look at animals like i don't I'm gonna go see some bears and and tigers, uh, but you know when I'm doing that, I can't wear an ankle kit because I'm in shorts. But I switch to mm-hmm. um, my my Filster PEW sleeve. Um, you know, I, I've at least got a tourniquet then in one of my cargo pockets. Right, the war on cargo shorts is real. It needs to stop. Um, it gives us lots of accessories. I'm right there. And lots with of you, places dude. to have things, and so the market has made it so much easier to have something on you. That that I mean, it, there's all there's just almost no excuse to when you know to wear chino shorts. I'll go with that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good with that too. But even in that, <laughs> you know, with with the Filster Enigma setups now uh, that you have, right? They have the ability to put pouches on. Um, there's just there's just so much stuff out there that you can have the purpose driven tool that matches the environment that that you need to go into. Um, and that's my big thing, mm-hmm. right? Is it is it like I don't claim to always have stuff, but when I'm going into an environment that is a higher threat level um, <clears throat> or um, has a higher percentage or propensity for the possibility of violence, I have the ability to react and to respond um, to those to those things. Yeah. Um, and it's not just my firearm. Um, you know, I, one of my things right. is that I always tell guys on my team that like luck isn't to plan; it's a byproduct of action. The biggest thing with luck is we have to be prepared if the other guy gets lucky. Right? Like mm-hmm. I'll go toe-to-toe with most folks with firearm skills. Uh, right? But but what if that's the day that that person gets lucky? Right? Great, mm-hmm. I got my gun. Okay. The wind blew and my shirt moved a little bit and I didn't have a cheater grip because I didn't see that guy come around the corner and I get a little hung up on my draw and instead of a 0.97 that day i get a 1.3 and that mm-hmm. dude got a 1.2 because he got lucky am i am i yeah am i prepared to deal with the full outcome of of this right. encounter do i want to count on my belt right or someone else Correct. using their belt yeah that's a really good point um I think that's cool that you, you also, you have your own equipment set up to where you can scale it based off your lifestyle. I feel like you have to do the same thing with handgun, uh, as far as the equipment and as far as training, like it has, it all has to fit your lifestyle. If you go to somebody and you're like, Hey, you just bought a brand new gun. You need to be a USPSA GM and all of these types of things. It's like, dude, I, I can't, I don't have a lifestyle for that. But, um, I think it's cool that we've covered, you know, even cost wise, like if you can at least get some mm-hmm. amount of training for free and you take that with you everywhere and it'll take you what'd you say like an yeah. afternoon realistically yeah. so it takes no time it takes mm-hmm. no money 
and uh, and you can walk around with that level of skill anywhere. And then if you want to start scaling that stuff up based on your lifestyle, your surroundings, or your area, the the possibilities are really are really yeah, pretty. Yeah, I'm huge on um, scalability and assessment, right? Like I don't people shouldn't live their lives, you know, all the time with a full battle rattle loadout. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I had a conversation recently on on the gram um, about my PPS um, because I carry my my PPS um, uh, quite frequently. Um, I'm in my mm-hmm. PPS quite a bit uh, when I'm with my daughter um, because first off, I'm, I'm much more active um, when I'm when I'm with her, um, and so a smaller gun just allows mm-hmm. me to you know move a little bit faster and do a little bit more things and, and uh, print a print a little bit less. The other part of that is that uh, is that they're like, oh, I don't need my mega blaster because we're getting out of there, we're right. leaving, right? right. Um, and I can do the work that I need to with with that size gun with the mag that I have in there because my priority at that point and and my mission set is that her and I are leaving. We're 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 going home, mm-hmm. right? Or we're going somewhere else. We're going to the next secure spot that we that we need to be. And so it is my get get us out of here gun. Now, if I'm by myself or it's me yeah. and my wife, I probably have a full size gun on me, right? Because I'm going to work. Right? Like that's it. Like we're in the mall. It's just her and I. She knows how to get home. It's just interesting to me that it, it's it's the same it's the same thing applied. Mm-hmm differently you're you're talking about yeah you're you're choosing your gun and the size of the magazine that you carry based yeah. off of your environment and you do the exact same yep. thing with your medical yeah it should all it should all be scalable very, to very your cool. life um so as there's, there's the adage of you should always carry as much gun as possible you should always carry as much medical as possible but that doesn't always mean the largest you know like you said full war belt full of uh you know i think that that idea turns a lot of people off and then and then that's used as the excuse mm-hmm. then to not to not do right. to not do those things, right? Like there are times where where I have to go places that that I have a full size gun, I have a full size spare mag, and I have a full ankle kit and possibly a second tourniquet on me, um, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, now living where I do, um, I don't not go into Chicago to to do things mm-hmm. because. Um, it, it, it affords me and my family opportunities and cultural things that should be part of life. Um, right. I mean, Chicago, it has its issue, but it has amazing and incredible museums. Um, right. It has experiences Mm -hmm. that my daughter, the shed aquarium, right. We're still trying to get there. A couple of years ago, we went to go on the way there. My (laughs) daughter threw up in the backseat. Um, and so we, we, that's, that's, that's on this year's list. Uh, right, but we go to Brookfield Zoo. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll go. We just recently went to the Museum of Science and Industry. All right, I'm not going to stop doing mm-hmm. those things because the threat profile is is different and the possibility sure. of that that can happen out front right now while we're playing ball. Um, mm-hmm. Two two guys could pass each other and and shoot at each other, um, and, and so and so. But but I will scale up to that right to be to be prepared yeah. um, for for those things in order to remove and, and extract and extract my family from those things. You know, a lot of times, then one of the things I always say is that, is that preparation mitigates paranoia. I um, mean, people are like, Oh, you're paranoid. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not paranoid. I have a full size gun. Like people, Oh, you going in there. Oh, that, that's, that's making you paranoid. Cause you got all that stuff. I'm like, it's the opposite. I'm good, man. Right. I'm, right. I'm paying a little bit more attention to what's going on around me, which people should be doing anyways, right? I'm just maybe paying attention a little bit more attention around me, but I'm much less paranoid because I'm much more prepared to deal with 
the larger scope of what could occur in this versus versus maybe right. having my PPS with a seven round mag and no med on me, then then I'm, I'm not doing mm-hmm. well in my headspace then if I'm in a museum of science and industry space sort of thing and I have only a seven round gun on me because I'm not prepared to deal with the things that I need to then. Um, and so right. I'm, then, I'm much more paranoid then and much more panicky and I can't enjoy the experience the way, the way that I want to. You know, scaling those things allows you to enjoy life both in the physicality of I can move freely to do things I'm more comfortable and in the headspace of I'm prepared to deal with the level of things that may occur in this spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good point. Um, well, I think, I think we've covered everything in, in our topics that we were looking to cover today, which is cool. And we're coming pretty close on time. Um, before we kind of sign off here, um, what if you're walking around like an undisclosed area in mm-hmm. Colorado and uh, some sort of wildlife, let's say a yeah. large ram uh, charges at you? Yeah. Um, what type of medical emergency could that pose? And, and what would yeah. your response so the, be? The biggest medical think? emergency is going to be when the first ram gets deflected into the second ram, right? And so that ram's going to run. By your oh, force. my injuries. Yeah. Because that's... No, no. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. I was talking about your injury. You're, you're not planning on being injured in this encounter? Bro, stop. What do, what do we say? I knew that I could take at least three <laughs> of them, provided provided that I was able to deflect the first one. Right. But that was, I was very honest about that. Right? I was very, I was very forward. And I said, I could take at least three of them provided I was able to redirect the first one. And I said, if the first one hits me though, we're in trouble. Um, right? That's so, right. <laughs> but you could have a pinball you, situation you you, you, through sheer force alone, you, you, just you, forcing you these ramps. Yeah. I, so I would say kind of, if you caught the first ram, my height, my immediate, my immediate fear was a, was a pelvic injury. Um, and that it would break my hip and possibly affect an artery, um, in, in my, in my pelvic, in my pelvic region. Uh, con- context for the listener. I think it, it was. was a girl in a gun last year in Colorado. We were in an, an undisclosed area of that beautiful state and were charged by no less no than less three, than. uh, mountain ram, no less Billy than. goat things. And, and <laughs> Jim didn't panic at all. He just turned and like through sheer tyranny of will scared these things off uh, into the, into the sunset. And uh, we had a good phone call with Bill Blowers after <laughs> we, that about how you were the, you, you, you uh, hand fought uh, through fist combat. I, I remember we cold called him and I asked him, <clears throat> Hey man, how many Rams do you think that you could fight at one time? And much as <laughs> I did, uh, he did not miss a beat. And he, I think he said, like, no, nah, I'll probably take four of them, maybe five. <laughs> and that, that was it, because that's just what we do. We just randomly call uh, our buddies from the mountains and ask them how many rams well, they would fight. That was a super fun day, and I, I wouldn't want to fight uh, three rams with anyone less prepared than yourself, Jim. Uh, it's always a pleasure with uh, talking with you, and, you know, we support you, obviously, as part of the Defense Division I'm more than happy to do so. Where can people find out more about Jim Dexter? Yeah, Instagram, Tactically Sound. Uh, on Facebook, Tactically Sound. I run Tactically Sound Training Center out of the Chicagoland area. Uh, tacticallysound.org is my website when I remember to update that. Biggest thing is Facebook and, and Instagram, um, mostly just because of the interactions um, that I have there. I really enjoy the interactions. I encourage people to interact um, on, on both of those. Um, I, I, don't do, uh, I don't do politics um, on them. Um, uh, don't bring that there. Um, I don't, 
I don't bring it there. We get enough of that everywhere else. Um, my, my, my social spaces are for, um, uh, for content, um, whether that's uh, tactics, medical, uh, mindset, all of the things to, to be tactically sound. Um, it, is a, it is a place to interact and ask. I'm very fortunate to have the network of folks that I do. A lot of the time that I spend is people asking me if I do this or that or know who does this or that, and I do. Um, I, I, I have friends that do mm-hmm. everything, right, all over the country. So I'm a resource for everything and anything, even if it's outside of policing, red dot, uh, or, or medical. Reach out to me, and I'll, I'll put you in touch uh, with, the, with the right person who knows what's up and who knows what they're doing. Awesome. Well, Jim, uh, you're a great friend of ours, and uh, we love you very much. So uh, we'll have you back again. I'm sure we'll talk more about medical stuff and red dot pistols in the near future. But in, I guess for now, that's uh, that's all we've got for today. So thanks for sticking around, guys, and we will see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Walther Radio. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. At Walther Arms, it's our duty to create the world's best performing firearms. It's your duty to be ready. Thanks again for listening.